everybody welcome back to injury time once again we have a uh, pradeep ready with us to you know sort of do a pro- proper proper nose dive into what happened this season uh, prad how are you thank you so much for coming on the show just after getting out of the bubble i really really appreciate it no no it's an absolute pleasure i think it's almost like this has become tradition now for for the season start the season with a yeah. with a show on injury time and finish the season so it's a perfect way to sort of bookend it bookend the season with a injury time episode so before we start i have to say this and i was looking at you know during the show and stuff your hair has grown back so fast uh, it's <laughs> amazing i mean you made the bet you uh, lived up to the stipulation and uh, it's come so fast like i was really really impressed with the speed Yeah, uh, yeah. I did. I'm. I should sort of. Uh, I should get in, in sponsored by some uh, hair grow products. Then I think next season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, I made the bet saying they won't. Kerala Blasters won't play any nil nils this oh. season. The next game they played out a nil nil, and that yeah. was the only one out of the 23 games that they played. Yeah, that was nil nil. So right. I think they did it on purpose. <laughs> So uh, speaking of Kerala Blasters, ISL fans finally here in the final, you know, um, full stadium. Uh, I felt emotional watching it, you know, on TV. Uh, what was it for you to be in the stadium after two years, you know, of nobody around? It was like actually driving up to the stadium. Um, we just as a car pulled up just outside um, Fatora, you could see the fans lining up, and um, it, you know, for me, it actually just. you get obviously the cliche things the goosebumps you know the chill it actually felt like being at a football game because that's what i remember indian football as my first experience in shillong as a fan before i even joined shillong lajong was seeing this where fans were there a couple of hours before kick off and then you get into the stadium and it's you know 28000 people in in um nehru stadium in shillong i've i've gone to um, you know obviously you remember from the early days of bangalore fc the first season where you know fans were there before kick off you could see outside and near garam mall and you know yeah. outside the stadium at the bars and obviously i've been to kochi experienced it there experienced it in kolkata even if it's local league in um kolkata you could see people lining up on that in the street towards uh, you know from basically from eden gardens all the way down to sort of um the maidan so it's that's what indian football's about um and it's good to see you know the fans returning in the numbers and you know credit to even hyderabad fc they had a, a fair few fans um, there for the finals and looking at their celebrations there should be that many people hopefully next season when they, when they play their home games so i think that's that's a great sign to see yeah absolutely uh, now just we're just going to deconstruct the teams and the season they sure. had like you always do so yep. let's we'll start with hyderabad because that's the last match that happened uh, for me i felt like they were the best team in the league um, and you know league table don't lie and all that kind of stuff but at least i thought they were the best team slightly short changed with what happened with uh, covid and things like that uh, what did you make up their season it's been fantastic to see how the how uh, manolas managed to get them to the level right like they came up yeah. last year pushed it further this year hopefully another step next year yeah no no i mean i've had this discussion with some of the analysts and and stuff guys that we know quite well and respect um you know when the old cliche the league table doesn't lie well it does in a 20 game season it does lie um because it's only 20 games but i think if you cumulatively look at 20 games of last season plus the 23 that hyderabad played this year over over 43 games 
I think you'd have no no one would have any doubts and say they'd been the best team over over forty games. Um, and I think all credit to Manolo, all credit to Varun and people behind um, the scenes as well who've, who've got them there. And yeah, they they were terrific. It's a shame because of the whole outbreak of uh, cases with the teams that they didn't get to play against Jamshedpur with a full full strength team. Um, you know, they had Juanan, Victor, um, Bart, Katimani, everyone available. Uh, at full strength for that game, that could have been the real title decider for the league. And then, you know, see whether they were better than Jamshedpur on, on that night, as opposed to, you know, that 3-0 was Jamshedpur versus Hyderabad B almost, not Hyderabad A team. So that's the only disappointment in a way. Um, but that's why we I kept saying, it's like, in a way, there's justice in football sometimes that the team that were everyone neutral's favourites um, were unlucky not to get the first spot you could say, and then deservedly got the, you know, the trophy at the end of it. But, you know, for me, it, that's why the, it would be nice if it was just a straightforward league team that finishes first gets first and team that finishes um, second gets the reward for being consistent over the course of the season. And in a way that's what happened. So I think it's a, it's a nice sort of end to the season that way. Do you, do you look at that team, uh, which was the start of the season we were talking and I was asking you, like, is it really Bart Ogbeche? Is he the guy? And then you said he's the one who takes teams to titles. And he took the team to titles. And he came back from so far behind in the top scorer run also. And just motored through and uh, all-time top scorer in the league. Yeah, I remember we, we did a game where I think he they didn't win. It was a draw or something. And he missed a couple of... Um, chances which he'd normally put away and there was one of them was a header and I think I'd said on comms that you know with Bart you expect better and then we post-match when we did the when we spoke to him you know um, and I said you know you're I said something and he goes you're you're absolutely right I mean I'll need to go back and work on my um, work on my finishing work on this on my heading etc and in a testament to the guy guess what he does in the next game he pops up with a hat trick left foot right foot header um, you know so it's like he's obviously gone back and worked not just on the heading but on everything. And I think when you've got people like that who introspect and realize that, oh, listen, I need to do more. And he said it. He said the, we as foreigners need to do more. And I think Manolo said that as well. There's not many coaches who come out and, you know, I wouldn't say throw their players under the bus, but make them accountable. And I think Manolo did that. He said the foreign players need to do more. The players need to do more. And you could see that got a reaction out of them because when – when he felt he hadn't done enough last season, he said, oh, if I was a management, I'd sack me after one of the games when they'd done badly. So he's willing to point the finger at himself and he points the finger at the right people at the right time. And I think that's what um, got them where they are. And look, if you've got a Bardock Beche in your team, you've got a Juanan in your team, you've got a Zhao Victor in your team, uh, you, you know, that's a spine that has the hallmarks of everything. You've got experience, you've got quality, and you've just got personalities as well that you need in a dressing room and on the field that, that'll win you titles. So I don't think anyone of us was surprised that they made the top four. Absolutely not. And uh, I have credit to them. I think Juanan also was a very shrewd signing. The two wingbacks, probably the best in the league, the two of them. And uh, the youngsters also going forward. I don't know. We have spoken to Manolo. He seems like a very fatherly, nice guy, but he's got a steel in him. And uh, oftentimes you see that also. Yeah, so I mean, what I love about Manolo, we obviously saw him last season, thought, you know, this is the right kind of guy for Indian football. And then this year there was a, we had a uh, AFF coaches workshop 
which was a refresher course. And they invited two of the Indian Super League coaches. And guess who were the two candidates? Owen Coyle and Manolo Marquez. And, you know, go on. Obviously, both of them are the ones who picked up the silverware at the end of the season. But when when Manolo gave us that um, talk presentation, he was one of the last ones on the course. And for somebody who where English isn't his first language, it put together a very good presentation, went through it. He said, listen, there's about 12 points I want to touch upon halfway through. I'll stop. You got any questions, please? And he went through his coaching journey, how he started with youth, you know, coaching kids. He had pictures of it from the younger years, coaching youth teams in Spain and on these, you know, simple pitches. They weren't anything fancy all the way through to working with La Liga teams with some big names of Spanish football who we would have all heard of, worked with a women's team along the way. And, you know, his journey to to Asia and I didn't enjoy it, you know, obviously very short spell in Thailand and then left because things weren't right, came to India. And he's one of those who wants to understand about India, not just about, um, you know, the league. And even though he said, well, I've been in a bio bubble, he understands where, you know, Anim Dorji is from, which part of the region, you know, from the Northeast, how difficult it was for them in lockdown in those part of the country to train in the off season. And you get coaches like that who understand India and Indian football. And at the, in the end of it, he mentioned something that the only thing next for him was he wanted to coach a national team. That's the only thing he hadn't done in his, in his CV. And if you look at it, it's almost like it would be the perfect candidate, I think, for, um, for that. Because I look at his team from the start of the season. You're looking, it's got Hitesh, he's got um, Yasir, and he had uh, Roy Danu playing. And then as the season uh, moved towards the end, you've got Shovik starting, who wasn't, Aniket starting, who wasn't, and... The core, the principles of the team were there, but it didn't matter whether Neem Dorji was stepping in for Ashish Rai or whether uh, Aniket was stepping in for Adanu. Everyone did their role. So he kept not just the first 11 happy, he kept the whole squad happy and hungry as well. And I think that's absolute credit to him as well. And and the same with the foreign players. I think he kept, he knew when to use a Severio, when to use a um, Edu Garcia, when to use Kianese. And, and I think, again, the signing of um, Hasa Kamara in the January window was was super smart as well. I think it's you, you can't fault them with it with anything this season. Absolutely, and I remember him telling me also after the podcast about the different languages that uh, even within the northeast, all of them play speak yep. different languages. And he's like uh, talking about how he was listening and trying to figure out, oh, is this the same and stuff. So, like you said, very much interested in uh, understanding how the culture of football works. For different people, so good for him. And no, and no surprise, he got success because yeah. you look at the ones who, you look at the coaches who failed. Not just this year, over the course of uh, Indian football over the last whatever many years, the ones who fail are the ones who fail to understand that if you don't understand India, and then secondary Indian football, you're not going to succeed. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past or where you've coached. Those are the basics of being able to work and work over here. So. Absolutely. So. Um, Congratulations to Hyderabad. Let's go with that. And uh, another team, Kerala Blasters. I can't but not congratulate that team because nobody expected much out of them. Uh, I think Ivan has been absolutely brilliant. A very affable guy as well. So, um, what do you make of the transformation that happened? Including people like uh, Khabra and all being such a key factor. Like we all, you've known Khabra for a long time. You've been a big supporter and uh, advocate of Cabra as a human being and as a leader. 
and he's got that environment i guess and suddenly he's you know the standout player yeah i think we'll, i'll go answer your question back with i think starting with cabra i think at the start of the season he there was a pre-season where he gave some speech to all the players and it was on um, on their social media which i thought their social media by the way is brilliant this season as well they captured the essence of the team very well and um rather than how it was before and i think i posted something saying this is one of the reasons this team will go far as having somebody like cabra and then cabra replied we had a couple of uh, offline um, chats and at the, and the last you know obviously after the final he came over and spoke to eric and myself and he said thank you very much for both of you to eric and me for encouragement and the support and we said listen mate you weren't it but i think having him was possibly the best signing they made because amongst all the look your foreign players are all new to india except sipovic and chencho to an extent but the, the the main foreign players were new to indian football they're four main ones and you need somebody who can connect between india and new foreign players coming in so you don't have that divide in teams and somebody who can bridge that gap and they have a lot of impressionable talented youngsters in that team over the last couple of years and you needed somebody who's been there done it won trophies at east bengal won it at chennai won it at bengaluru uh, won it everywhere and people everyone immediately are going to respect in the dressing room both foreign players as well as indian players and i think he was a sort of hidden glue in a way that kept everything together for them and you know he's a much more mature cabra we've obviously seen him from the tough tackling days of east bengal and you know you're like all right cabra yellow card almost and now it, it wasn't it was a different player and again you know we mentioned juan and now we mentioned cabra is like two key bfc players that you let go and you see what they added to their new team and what it, you know what they missed or the old team has missed from them and i think that way ivan benefited greatly from having him and and sometimes a little bit of luck and you know not to take anything away but i was when you start analyzing a team you look at their first game of the season he started with a it was a 442 of sorts they were struggled they struggled obviously lost 42 against uh, atk monbagan but towards the end when he put adrian luna close to diaz and they combined and scored that goal you think okay if these guys can play together they'll get something the next game it was a different partnership up front i think it was um diaz and um uh, vasquez possibly i think and then 442 they drew um that was a game they drew nil nil obviously after my bet and then the next game was against bfc was a different front two um and they drew 1-1 but in both those games he had to play foreign center backs together sipovic and leskovic and that was because obviously they'd conceded four in the first game the next two games they went nil nil 1-1 but you could see that to get the right balance he had to drop something and i think the injury at the back injuries to jessel injury to albino all those things actually helped create the team you i mean you can say you can wonder about it because in the market propsuk and gill was on the market Ooh. teams were being offered propsuk and gill to take them off of kerala blasters books because at that time they felt albino's number 1 why do we need a an expensive number 2 so imagine if teams had come in and taken propsuk and gill at that point off of them imagine if uh, teams had taken nishu off of them who was also another expensive player that was down the pecking order in terms of uh, jessel the cap- captain was starting there so it's all ifs and buts but that's football um you know i think so that if once they fell upon that you know it works with sahal 
Luna, Vasquez, and Villa. You can play all four of them, and you can still be dis- defensively solid. Where I think you got to give credit to Riva Harmipam slotting in there next to Leskovic and Leskovic developing him because you need a good senior partner next to you to help. And it's and it's easy for easier, I should say, for Harmipam when you got you look to your right, you got Cabra. You look to your left, you got um, Leskovic. It makes your job a lot easier. Um, playing in that. And in front of you, you've got Jeeks and Puitea doing tremendous amount of work. And when one's not available, Ayush coming in and, you know, the energy levels that he provides. So I think that central sort of, you could say the base in front of the uh, goalkeeper was very, very solid. So it became difficult to beat them. And when you got a Vasquez and Pereira Diaz, if you're tough, to, and Luna and Sahal, if you're tough to beat, you know goals are going to come. So yeah. I think that's, so... Credit to the, you know, everything just fit. Do you think uh, what he did with Sahal, especially when you're looking at it, he is not doing his fancy runnings anymore. He's more uh, arriving at the right time to finish off the chances. He had a very productive season. Is this the Sahal that we've always wanted to see? I'm sure he can go further. But is this the Sahal starting of what we want to see? Yeah, I remember about three or four years ago before I even got into the thing with the ISL where... I think I'd done something on Superpower Football where I spoke about how good a player Sahal had Ooh. potential to become because everyone you spoke to, because he's got the ability on the ball. He's got that. He's not, he's not come from an academy. Ooh. So he's not been coached to play a certain way. He's, he's got that certain sense of street footballer about him yeah. where he plays by instinct and he, he's got that. And a lot of, I think over the years, coaches have tried to pigeonhole him into, if you're going to play, where do you play him? You can't play him as a 10 because he doesn't do certain things in the spine of the team you lose you play him out wide he didn't do the necessarily the, maybe the defensive work and you've got to find how you use him in a system it's just like how in the past coaches managed to get the best out of Brandon where mm-hmm. supremely talented but how do you play them fit them into the system and I think that's what Ivan did tremendously well he just figured out like don't curb the creativity but recognize where you can do stuff with the ball, where you can do it without the ball. Sometimes you can arrive late and the ball's there and then all you have to do is your little magic in the box as opposed to trying and doing it in areas where if it doesn't come off, your team then gets hurt on the counterattack. So you didn't see too often where he was losing the ball and his team was struggling. And and again, credit to the kid, uh, to Sal as well, where you could see a much better defensive work rate. I mean, there was the fact that he was getting subbed off in most of the games in the 60th, 70th minute it was because he was putting a shift um, covering back and helping. And again, maybe credit to Cabra as well. If you're playing with somebody like Cabra behind you, you're constantly getting that instructions in your ears about get back, drop back, do the, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's, that's another, another one. You certainly don't want to be not tracking back when Cabra's telling you to. So I'm sure you'll be on the receiving it end at some point. So I think, so all those factors, I think, really helped him. And, you, and it, was, it was good to see that he got the rewards for it in, in terms of numbers, best season ever for him in terms of things. But still, I mean, you compare numbers over the last couple of seasons with a Liston or with a Bippin or with others, there's still obviously scope for improvement. And I'm sure he'll be disappointed missing um, the semifinal and the final at the end. Um, it was a chance. Maybe if he played, they could have gone on to gone a little bit further. So, uh, I think he's moving in the right direction. So that's good for him and for Indian football, especially for Kerala Blasters as well. Now, uh, let's talk about Jamshedpur now. Because I feel, and we put the tweet out as well, because they won the championship and uh, they had their big uh, hurrah moment 
and then immediately it is gone you know they they won the league and they were the most consistent team they had greg stewart and they played well and hartley and you know basically owen called it a fantastic job with the team who not many people expected a lot out of other than you of course in the pre season also you were talking about you know how good the team they are so yeah, yeah. Um, what do you make of uh, the whole system that they are and also the fact that you know sadly their happiness was rather curtailed quickly I think simplicity. I think that's the easiest way to describe it. It's um, we know over the years we've we've all debated is like there are certain players who've grown up in Indian football. Can they play um, a certain possession style? Can you sometimes modern day coaches sometimes can try and overcomplicate things? Um, you know, you get a lot of uh, imitation coaches nowadays. Especially, I see it on coaching courses where they're like, "Oh, I want to play like Tuchel. I want to play like." Um, mm. you know Guardiola I'm going to invert my fullbacks I'm going to do this like okay great those guys do it because they've got possibly the best players in the world they're playing against the best players in the world so they have to come up with systems that are going to break down opponents in certain situations you don't necessarily have the time in indian football i mean you're not training for as long as they are abroad you've got players who are coming from 7 months of inactivity you've got one and a half months of pre-season at best with limited friendly games because you're in a bubble and then you know games every three or four days where you don't have much time to tweak things so i think credit to the coaches who were clever and f- found a system that's going to work whether it's manolo and whether it's uh, ivan whether it's um Owen Coyle and they stuck with it. They didn't try and overcomplicate it and Owen did a brilliant job. He was like, "Right, this is how we're going to play. We're going to set up with a back four. Um our fullbacks aren't necessarily going to be bombing on too much and looking for creativity from them." Which is why over the course of the season, if you look at it, Ricky played so many games, almost almost all of the 20 games. Dinliana played almost all of the 20 games. There's not many teams where you can say your fullbacks consistently play and they don't get booked as well it's not like they missed du- normally expect defenders will miss during suspension and injuries these guys were fit so credit to their strength and conditioning coach by the way indian strength and conditioning coach adrian dies kept them all physically in great shape and they were available because they weren't getting into positions where okay i'm out of position i've got a foul to get back so simplicity at the back solid goalkeeper no changes no tweaking no asking him to try and play out from the back and complicate his game. He he's a goalkeeper who can make saves. Renesh probably not. You don't want him dealing with too many passes at the back. Yeah. And then in and in front of them again, whether it's Pranoy and Lima, whether it's Pranoy and Jitendra or Mobashir at times, just simplicity when the ball find Greg Stewart almost. It, it was almost as simple as that. Mm. Right? And and I thought Greg Stewart was a revelation. Um you've got a guy like him it's you know th- those are the kind of numbers that win you stuff when you can get double digit assists and goals. You know you're halfway there to the title. And I think lastly the most astute thing they did was get rid of Alskis in the January window. Yeah. Um both, both from a team harmony point of view and and even just simple goals output bringing in Chukwu not only did they get the goals they got a much more cohesive and happy unit. um and and i just you could see from there it was just in any words right owen coil when he let go of alskis and there were all questions about you know is a former golden boot winner and blah 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 he didn't mince any words he gave the numbers and he said yeah this is it i need somebody else yeah and i think look he took alskis with him from chennai um and at that time towards the end of last season in the middle of last season you could see there was obviously problems um 
it was either, you know, I think whether it was the Monroy and um, David Grandes, the two Spaniards, there just seemed a lack of sort of, it was either the two Spaniards go or Valskis goes. It seemed like that. Somebody had to go. And at the end of the season, opted to let the two Spaniards go, even though some would argue Monroy had decent numbers and et cetera. But that should have been the sign for Valskis to work harder and, and perform now because the coach had given trust in him. And I think the same problems from what I've heard, um, the same problem surfaced. And look, you can, be, you can act like a prima donna if you're performing on the field. Um, you can't act like a prima donna because you won a golden boot a few years ago. Um, it has to be your last performance, not something you've done before. Um, you know, otherwise, it, it's like the sort of Marcelino syndrome of this league. Um, you know, what you've done in the past is irrelevant. It's what you're doing in the here and now. And I think that's why, as a club, they were smart. Most people would have questioned that, thinking, are you seriously letting go of Valskis for Chima Chukwu? But um, I, I was confident enough. I took a bet with John Gregory. Um, <laughs> on our little WhatsApp, WhatsApp group. And I said, Chima Chukwu will score more than Valskis will. And obviously Valskis has gone to Chennai and he said, no way, Prad. And I said, um, so we took a, I said, I'd, you know, I'll shave my head again if you do. So that's why we'll say that, put it down to that reason for John Gregory's uh, odd haircut towards the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one, one for you. Uh, win one or lose one in bed. Huh? Oh no, one, two. I think even Mace had to dye his hair blonde. So. Oh, two, one to me. <laughs> Oh, so you're winning on the bets also. Perfect. I'm winning on that, yeah. Yeah. And uh, can I just one thing on Greg Stewart, right? It, yeah. He's too overpowered for this league. To use the lingo, you know, online uh, gaming lingo, he's too OP for this league. He seems to be just walking. When the rest of the people are like running at him, he seems to be like jogging, walking slowly. It annoys me that he's that good for this league. <laughs> well, I, I had this dip. I had this debate with um, one of the colleagues and somebody, one of the guys asked me, he said, and he asked me and Mace and he said, um, which Indian player could, uh, you know, last in the Premier, last five minutes in the Premier League? Hmm. And both of us looked and said, none. And he's like, not even five minutes. I said, oh, the game's too, too fast. fast yeah. And then we were, we were watching the game, the three of us together and we're commenting on how, Greg Stewart can just dribble with the ball, you know, and his eyes are up. He's looking for what options are around. He doesn't need to look at the ball. He doesn't look down. He's, he's always scanning, looking yeah. up and then finds the right pass at the right time. And when it's, sometimes he'll see it and he goes, I'm not going to play that pass because then he's yeah. almost like the chess move, two moves ahead goes, that's not going to help the team. I'll just keep it and wait for something better to develop. And Greg Stewart, no disrespect to him, probably can't play in the Premier League. Obviously yeah. he hasn't. And um, even in the Scottish Premier League, he, he wasn't like one of the key players in Rangers' title success. So yeah, that's sort of, yeah, that's it the level we're talking. Yeah. So that's the level we're talking about. So when you bring players from that level and they come here, the game is slow motion for them. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it is, you know, so I'm not surprised at all. And, you know, and once they figure it out, you can see why, um, you know, and it's time to, you, you, we've seen it in the past with the guys like Hugo Bumus or yeah, Jahu mm-hmm. as well, where, you know, Joe sometimes can look like he's just strolling through the game. Mm-hmm. Boomers can, you know, people like Boomers can suddenly decide, like, all right, I'm going to change the game now, and then flick mm-hmm. a switch and then and then change it. We, Bright Anubakari did that last season. Yeah. So that's, I mean, there is a stark contrast between players who played at the top, top, you know, top European um, leagues, and then the ones who, and when they come over here, um, and all the more reason, and all the more so this season because of one less foreigner. Mm, yeah, absolutely. 
So um, next team I want to talk about is ATK Mohan Bagan. Um, not the best of seasons. There's from any, everything would suggest they should win the league. Uh, the team, the money that they've spent, uh, the coaches that they poached, everything would suggest that they have to win the league. But uh, didn't really work out for them. I mean, it, it almost did. I mean, I like. I mean, I'll have to give a little bit of credit to one because. You know, you lost two games. You join a new club um, and you only lose two games and you don't win anything. It's it's tough. Um, but he lost the two most important games. He lost the first leg of the semi-final and he lost the play, the effectively the Shield playoff um, with Jamshedpur. So he lost. If you're going to lose two games, don't lose the two <laughs> most crucial most crucial games, right? Um, but I think from the start of the season, you could see there were problems. Um, mm. I mean, I'm wet. I'm going even before the ISL started in AFC Cup. You look mm-hmm. at that team and you look you look at the recruitment and you think, are these Habas signings or are these club signings? Like whether it's management or somebody from it's higher up. For the names, no, in a lot of sense. Yeah, like it's it was reactionary, almost like we lost the final because a goalkeeper made an error, or the goalkeeper got blamed for it. So let's get rid of the goalkeeper and bring the goalkeeper from the team that won the league. We we lost the league. Maybe we don't have a a match winner on as an individual. Let's go get Bumus, right? And once you sign that, you think, okay, now you've got possibly missing links which you didn't have last season. But then you go and sign a Yoni Kauk, great player. I thought he's one of the best players um, again in the league. Again, you could see somebody who's played Ooh. at a much higher level. How easy it was for him once he acclimatized to the weather and the teammates and etc. But can you play, is there space for a Bumus on a Yoni Kauko in the same team? Mm. Right? And then if you have to accommodate both of them, where's the space for tried and tested winners like Krishna and Williams who play so well together and give you results when they play? And then if you try and accommodate all four, where's the balance? You certainly don't have it at the back without either McHugh or Thierry, you need a little bit of that balance. So I think that that's where they got it wrong. And that's why when if you don't have a coach or somebody with a footballing background making those recruitment decisions, you get your balance wrong. And I think, look, they've got two squads over there that can possibly finish top four. Yeah. Right? You can, I mean, you can play with a list in Manvir. You can, the other team can have a Kian Nasiri and a David Williams, or you know, you still both teams are equally strong. One can start with uh, Krishna up front, one you know, you, you you have so many options over there. Um, even if you split those six foreigners and go three on three on each side, um, it, it's such a sort of strong, uh, strong squad. And similarly at the back, I mean, you've got guys like Ashutosh Mehta who hardly played this season, Prabir Das who hardly played this season, and they'd walk into most ISL teams. Yeah. So, I think. Um, so I think that's that's just where they got it wrong. It's sometimes almost like they had too many good players, so it becomes very difficult for a coach. Then you've got to manage the dressing room, you've got to manage the egos, you've got to keep everybody happy, and at the same time, um, you know, win, and at the same time, improve the style of play. It almost reminds me of a few years ago when um, Chelsea were looking to replace. Uh, Mourinho, yeah, and they'd had so much success, but the but the the diktat from the top was improve the style of play, but continue winning trophies. And 
Um, and you've got big, big names in the dressing room um, that you have to manage those egos as well. Like how do you phase out a John Terry when he's coming to the end of his career or Lampard due to uh, move on, et cetera, drug buzz, et cetera. And I think that's in a way, a lot of the challenges that uh, Juan had, but at times I thought they played some really good football um, and, and irrespective of where they finished, I think you'd still look at bright spots. You think how well Liston's progressed this year, mm. how well Kian Nasiri's had a debut season. I thought Manvir and Liston showed at times that you can play without foreign strikers and still um, get success. Um, towards the end, Prabir still showed how good a player he is. Yeah. Um, as did, um, you know, I thought Pritam Kotal was pretty good at the back that he can play right back and centre back. That's good for the national team. And so there's still, still a lot of positives from the Indian fo- Indian side of it. So not all doom and gloom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they finished top four at the end of the day and uh, lost in the semifinals. But yeah, in, at least I would look at that team and uh, maybe they learn from this. Because you have Juan who has a certain aesthetics to his style and he's done it well in Goa. Hopefully they can figure it out and recruit better or let some of them go. Yeah. Don't hoard yeah. players also. Correct. Yeah. yeah. But see, top top four honestly means nothing. I think this is some. It's a misnomer that has to go soon, because look, in the past when it was eight teams, you finished top four, you made the playoffs as they were called, and blah blah blah. You people would tick a box saying, "Oh yeah, we had a good season. We made we made the playoffs." But since the change and since the Champions League spot has come in, you finish top, you get the Champions League. You finish second, you don't get anything. You finish third, you don't get anything. You finish fourth, you don't get anything. If you win the semifinals and, and the final, like Hyderabad, have, yes, you get into an AFC qualifier spot. So whoever wins the I-League this year hmm. has a better you know, outcome at the end. You've yeah. got the I-League title and you've got yes, you a direct through. entry. Yeah, and this year straight in the group stages. So as much as we'll sit here and say, all right, the ATK Monbegan had a decent season. They finished third in the league. Right. If let's say Mohammedan Sporting win the I League, which they should do, yeah. Right. Mohammedan Sporting had a better season than <laughs> ATK Mohan Bagan. And you can't argue with the fact next season when the AFC Cup starts, Mohammedan Sporting are the top team in Kolkata. Yeah. As in, they're playing in the top. They're playing in the top. They're playing in a higher level of competition, even though they might be in the I League. They're playing in AFC Cup. They're in the group stages. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, bragging rights wise. So that's why for me, top top four means nothing. Yeah. It makes sense when you break it down like this. Uh, and yeah. I also agree with you in, in in the sense that it doesn't feel absolutely right when you keep saying the top four normal, this thing came out of the English Premier League, right? The top four was the Champions League. It's got really got Champions League, yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, it's a playoff, whatever. So, you know, the listeners can tell us uh, what they think about that. We'll clip this out. And uh, now Mumbai City FC, we all looked at it and said, Good team, probably, you know, Champions League is up on the way. So, they're probably going to use the time and play well and all of that. Just uh, fell off a cliff somehow. Uh, Des Buckingham, when I did speak to him for a podcast as well, he seemed like a upgrade from, you know, uh, what was the name? I forgot the name of the coach. I'm blanking. Lobera. Lobera, yes, Sergio Lobera. So, <laughs> it seemed like it was a move up. But uh, what went wrong there? I actually, I think, I think I'm not sure if it was on your podcast or some others, because uh, I probably sometimes give different answers on different ones. But <laughs> I didn't feel um, 
you know, you got to make a freshen it up. Otherwise, it just people won't listen to it. Yeah. But I think I didn't feel that Mumbai would make it this year to the top uh, top four. And one of the reasons, I think you did. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the reasons I felt I felt that recruitment wasn't good. And you always say this because look, you when you're at it's a cliche thing when you win and you're a champion, you've got to strengthen your team. You you know, just like. Obviously, teams that miss out always strengthen. Teams that get relegated or finish bottom, they always strengthen um, to avoid that. But if you're a top team, you actually have to strengthen. And we did it like at Bengaluru, the, the year we won the league, the first season, arguably the best player, Johnny Manyongo. Yeah. Went Not arguably. On him. He, he was the best player. I will agree with you. Best player, yeah. yeah. Goalkeeper upgraded on him. The second season, you win the Fed Cup, you finish second, you still go and improve in terms of uh, personnel. You go and get different players, you know, like even in the second season, I think Eugene came in, you mm-hmm. change left backs. So you keep improving. Uh, again, and, um, Josh Walker left, another player came in. So you're constantly a striker when uh, you change strikers. So you have to improve even when you're winning. Otherwise, everyone, you've got a target on your back. Everyone's coming for you next season anyway. Your players can't get complacent. And I think... Mumbai missed a huge trick um, in their recruitment. They thought they were much better than everyone. They let go of, and, and again, I'd probably you'd probably say they've lent too much on the previous coach in terms of their recruitment because nobody in their right mind would think, all right, we've won the league. We're going to be playing in the AFC Champions League. Let's go for Nawaz as our goalkeeper over Amrinda. That's, yeah. not, that's not a logical uh, step. So that's you. You weakened in the. If you're building from the back, you're weakened at the back. You've kept Murtada Fall. Murtada Fall got success last season, and, and Mumbai got success the previous season because at times when it was tough, Hernan Santana would play alongside him, and they would play with two foreign centre backs. You lost Hernan Santana. You didn't replace with another foreign centre back. You went to, with the belief that one less foreigner, we don't need backup for Murtada Fall. That I think was a mistake. Um, having Raul Beke thinking, will Raul Beke make up for that? He did at times, but he had to play right back as well. So he can't cover two positions. So I don't think in full back position, they were as strong as a lot of the other teams in the league. You wouldn't say their left back is top 10 in the country. So you can't be the top team in the country going to compete in AFC Champions League and not even have probably the top 10 left back in the league mm. um, or, or in the country. And Similarly, if, if you count Raul Beke as a centre-back, I don't think they have a top 10 right-back in, mm. um, in, the, in the league. So they're weak at the back that way. Going to midfield, Jahu is brilliant. Um, Apuya, great signing. But in a way, losing Raul and Borges due to injury was mm. huge. I think what he provided them last season, he's just, he's just a complete player, I think, and, and key to them. And then no doubt, Bumus is going to be a miss. Is Casio a good enough replacement for Bumas? Probably not. Um, and then I think they just didn't didn't strengthen. So along the spine, again, you lose a Bartok Beche. You brought in um, Katatau. I thought Katatau was decent whenever he came on, he scored, but they let go of him in the middle of the, um, you know, in the January yeah. window and then, and then brought in an ISL reject in Diego Maurizio. He was a guy who scored goals for Odisha, but no other ISL team said, okay, you've scored 12 goals, let's sign him. Because his all-round game wasn't good enough. So, again, you lost the leadership of Bart, you lost the goals, and you put everything basically on Igor Angulo's shoulders. So, 
with Citigroup's network, with their scouting network, the best they could do was Catatau, Casio, and Diego Maurizio, which for me, Diego Maurizio is a shocking one because in all the Citigroup network, you've mm. gone for a player that was already in the ISL and nobody in the ISL wanted. So either you're trying to say, we know better than every other club who's seen and played against him, and we're going to go and sign him. What did he provide? He one goal from a mistake against FC Goa in open play and two penalties, I think. Mm. So didn't really and offer enough. Hardly played, right? Again. Uh, that, that, that's another kind of, you know, enigma in terms of previous season at both at ATK Mohanbagan and, and Odisha didn't sort of light up the league. And I think a lot of teams got their Asian player wrong. Mm. Um, and if you look at how little Brad played um, up until the end of the season, even, you know, you've got a question, why, why didn't you either replace him or why, or was he the right player in terms of the system you needed? Did you need another centre-back rather than another midfielder? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's all, the way I saw it, like with my untrained eyes, is that uh, the two wing-backs were a problem. Initially, they sort of got along with it. And then once they started playing behind them, because they were sort of pushed forward and they never really recovered from that. But I cannot for the life of me think that that can be the, like, you know, the only issue. Because you, obviously these guys are smarter than me. They should see it and try to fix it. But when you put it in the perspective that the quality of the wing-backs are not that great, it makes sense that there is probably some mistakes that they cannot fix, uh, especially without a transfer window. Yeah, and I think you look at their January transfer window, I thought, you know, they, they made some poor signings. I don't, I don't think their January signings made them stronger. In effect, it made them possibly weaker. They just went on a bit of a run and, and did well. And, you know, you can argue if Jahu hadn't got injured in that game against Jamshedpur, would they have had a chance in the remaining games? But they had a plan A at the start of the season, which was, you could see typically 60, 65th minute, Angula would come off, Katata would come on. Katata, fortunately for them, first touch scores, pretty much every time he came on, he scored. And towards the end of the season, you looked at it, 65th minute, roughly, Igor Angulo off, and it was Diego Maurizio coming on. Mm. So there was a plan A. You never really saw a plan B. Um, you never saw them thinking, Rick, we're chasing a goal. We need to get two goals. Let's play both two strikers up there. Or, you know, they did it with Vikram Pratap and, and mm. Diego. But you never saw a significantly different way of playing. It was always the same. There was a lot of emphasis on build-up and there was a lot of emphasis on um, playing good football. But for me, playing good football also means you have to defend. And I don't yeah. think defensively they were they were great. I thought they, they had a soft underbelly um, and that eventually cost you. I think I'm a little scared for them in the Champions League. Uh, not as confident as I was with Goa, for sure. I think we were all scared for Goa last year, but Goa surprised yeah. us. Um, yeah. I don't think we're getting. I don't think we're getting two surprises in two years. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, so let's veer on to take that, you know, and then directly veer on to FC Goa. You said at the start of the season when we were making predictions that every year you get one spectacularly wrong, and everyone gets yes. one spectacularly <laughs> wrong. This year, I, was at Goa. I yes. really feel for them because some things are sort of out of their control with the COVID and everything. But even before that, it didn't look like. This was a team that had uh, that looked like trying to improve from the year before because they were such on such a high last year, right? Yeah, I think if you look at from you know this for twenty twenty one, you look at all the way up to probably December. You know, you'd say it's been great eleven months for them. Mm. You know, finished the season well. They made it into the semi finals with 
new coach, um, having lost a lot of their key players, lost on a penalty shootout to Mumbai uh, on that unbeaten run of 15 games. It was terrific. Yeah. Then they go on and win the Durand Cup, you know, thinking this is a sort of model Indian football club. This is how it should be. You're promoting your youngsters coming through, a lot of local talent, um, retaining foreign players for multiple year contracts. Like you're confident enough that you'll sign an Ortiz for two years, sign players for two years. And, you know, you, you accept that you lose one or two, like, um, you did the previous season with Bumus, but you replaced him. You, you lose an Angulo, you're going to replace him. But then I think just everything that could go wrong went wrong for them. I mean, it start, you, you've got off-field problems where their training ground was um, you know, taken over by the local, uh, locals and vandalized, or you could oh, cricket yeah. pitches put inside it. Um, there's you know, the coach being poached. Um, internal sort of problems in, in your know, dressing room issues, Brandon being injured for a long time. And um, I think you start to see that it started to snowball one after the other. And then the COVID cases hit them. And I think they were the, everyone was unlucky, but they were the, the most one uh, unlucky and most severely hit by COVID issues. And I think it just, it got to a point where now people are just waiting for the season to end and say, right, put a line through this. Let's write this off. And then let's rebuild almost like what the previous season you could say BFC did where Ooh. they just put a line through it and said, okay, this is, we lost the coach midway through the season. Let's just, this season's a write-off. Let's just build for next season. And I think if you, if you had to bet your money, well, obviously we would have lost a lot because we would have all bet that <laughs> FC4 would have made it top four last year. But if you were to bet again, um, I mean, I'm not going to put a bold bet to say FC4 will be top four next season, but if there's any club that you'd bet on, to rebuild and rebuild properly, bounce back and rebuild properly, it would be them. I don't think, um, I think this is a blip. And, you know, they had a blip in the last year of um, Zico mm. and they were spectacular, spectacular for the next couple of years. And I think sometimes you need that in, in Indian football where complacency can kick in. You've got too many people who've been there for too long. They've become part of the furniture, right? whether it's foreign players, whether it's Indian players. And it almost, you get that sort of, government job mentality is like I can't be sacked so um, I, I just need to show up to work and things will happen so as much as at the end of the season they, some of their players were still saying oh we play the best football in the league that's not enough anymore um, yeah. you need to sometimes you need to play the worst football in the league but and get win. the result yeah. and win get the result or get the clean sheet and just do it ugly um, but again you look at some of their I think the stats the XG the number of times they've hit the post there's so many games they could have won just yeah. a little bit of uh, fortune. So I think they don't think that that's as far off as the league table suggests. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, so in their case, I'd probably say the league table does lie a little bit. Yeah. Um, they may be not a top four team, but they weren't a bottom four team. So. It's uh, tough for them. Like I think, like you said, Ravi has to, the task is set out for him and the others to rebuild the whole team, Akshay and everybody behind them. And uh, we'll see. I think they'll bring youngsters through also. So, and they run on a budget, right? Like that's that's the best part. They don't. That's the best part. And I think what people forget is: Would you rather be fifth or even top four? Like we we're saying about top four. Right? What does top four mean? Would you rather say, okay, we made top four, or we were fifth and missed it by a point and got nothing, or we won the Durand Cup, we got silverware? For me, silverware trumps everything. Absolutely. Because so. Say what you want. They played with a lot of youngsters, got a lot of them, because some of those benefits will be reaped a few years down the line. Um, and so for me, I still think 
their season isn't as bad as people say. They're still a success. They still had, they still got more silverware than ATK Mohan Bagan and spent fractionally, not fractionally, yeah. considerably, considerably less. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think we, one of the two things that I wanted to say about this, right? I think we had a conversation, at least I've told you this, that uh, yeah. the Durand Cup, that it, it is highly dis- disrespected in some ways. It's a hundred and something odd, you know, uh, old tournament. And that's, Winning that tournament, I think for them, it's massive because they finally managed to get a silverware after missing out, you know, last year, the Shield, they won, but still uh, yep. they missed out on the title and stuff like that. So it's good for them that they got the silverware out of the way. And plus, uh, if you look at it from, what what, what do you say? Like, a, that's a team that's always going to develop youngsters, and. Absolutely. Yeah. So they are always, you have a listen, listen may not be the best case, but let's say Ishan Pandita, they got 90 lakhs, whatever for him for one year. Didn't really significantly miss him. Yes, he no, does score a lot of late goals. Uh, he continued to score uh, like, you like you know, he should be the mascot for injury time because he scores so late in the in thing. Yeah. So they they do make a lot of money as well. Boomu, they made money. Even with the coach, they made money. So they are well yep. run. Absolutely. Business. And I think if... Um... If they are smart, maybe Nemil. Um, I'm sure a certain southern team would be in for him. And um, <laughs> that's you know, so my, not my... <laughs> <laughs> right. And you know, uh, might might throw um, silly money at him. And if they do, you know, there's no player that's beyond it because they can keep producing. Because look, you can let go of um, a pandita because Devendra Murugankar came in mm. and pro- did in terms of numbers did better yeah. um, provided provided more so um, and there's so many players of that that they've got I mean I, we played against their youth team in preseason and um, they've got some really good young players over there and I, I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all if they win or are one of the top four teams in the development league which starts next month so. yeah, absolutely so kudos to them hopefully they can bounce yeah. back it's always nice to have uh, teams yeah. who help youngsters be up there in the top you know it's good for Indian football absolutely. Now, another team in transition, uh, Bangalore FC. I, this is my personal view. I like the coach. Uh, he's pretty open in what he wants to say. And he gets emotional also, which is good because he, that shows he cares. Uh, I thought they were they made some step up, but uh, it's still a bit far off for them to get to the top floor. Oh, yeah, I mean, Marco certainly grew on me. I think... Um really respect and admire him amongst the sort of coaches who didn't finish in, in the top four. Definitely massive, massive amount of um, respect for him. And I think definitely one that should be retained um, because of, as you said, he's honest. He, he's got his principles right and, and he does the right things. Um, and I'm not just saying that because he listened to some of the suggestions we gave on, um, <laughs> on TV. Like we just, look, he said, Ashik's not a left back. Put up yeah. the stats to show he's not a left back. He's causing mistakes. Stop playing Ashik at left back. Guess what happens? They start winning games. Mm-hmm. And then who who emerges out of all of that? Roshan. Roshan, yeah. Emerging player of the season. So, you know, I'm not going to sit there and like pat myself on the back and Eric and me saying, look, we told you so. But, mm. but you did. guys have seen him. This is the funny yeah. thing. Eric has played with Roshan. You and I have been there for all the Super all- games. I've seen you in all Super Division games. You sit and Correct. Watch. You know Roshan yeah. is good. And he's actually not a left back. He's a left-sided right. player. He can play. Side, yeah. 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 And similarly, I've seen Ashik. I had him at Pune. I played yeah. him in certain positions and I know where to get the best out of him. And I worked with him and I know his strengths and weaknesses. And matter of fact, when he was with us at Pune, hmm. he went into the national team 
yeah. and played as a number nine in India's probably best victory yeah, in uh, against Basically. Thailand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Eric's played with him as well and mm. trained with him every single day in BFC. So he, so when we're saying it's like, we're not just saying this because we're trying to make a TV moment or trying to just be picking a fault with a coach. Like, guys, we know what we're talking about and mm. we can back it up with data if you want, which we have when, in the limited time we have on the air to show you. Look, here's the stats. And then we can show you the clips where, you know, the, the bad positioning, the own goals, the, you know, struggling True. to clear and play the ball because he's just not a left. And he doesn't want to play there. If you ask Ashik, he doesn't <laughs> want to play there. That's the, that's the other one. He doesn't want to play there. He would move to another club, another mm. maybe another Southern club, if he gets the opportunity to play in an attacking position because that's what he wants to do. Yeah. So, and then, so credit to Marco. Made that change. Sunil needed, I mean, for the lack of a better phrase, a kick up the backside. Again, complacency can kick in where you become part of the part of the furniture. I'm not by any means saying he's over and you write him off. He's still got a good couple of years left in him. But you have to learn how to use senior players. I mean, you look at history of you know football across the world. You look at somebody maybe like a Ryan Giggs at Man United. As he got older, how coaches used him, how Ferguson used him. And you still got a lot out of him and he played into his till he was 40. You can still do that with Sunil because he'll keep himself fit He's super motivated and he'll, he'll always give 100% on the field. But you need to know how to move him in that jigsaw puzzle. And I thought towards the end, Marco started doing that very well. And there's not many coaches in, who've come to Indian football who would drop Sunil Chetri. Yes. And, very ballsy move. Yeah. And yeah. funnily enough, the ones who drop him get success. Like mm. dropped at BFC and then go on to win the league. I mean, I know he's only dropped for the first game, but you've got to know that the team is bigger than the individual. And I think when Marco did that, everyone started to respect Marco a lot more, I think. Mm-hmm. Because and because you're putting your job on the line. You're just saying, I'm going to drop him. What if I don't get the results? And I'm basically shooting myself in the foot. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, you know, many coaches, Constantine's had that conundrum. Uh, Steam matches had that uh, conundrum. And so that's why I got a lot of respect for Marco. And towards the end, he found a system that was ticking the boxes of what BFC's philosophy was. Develop young Indian players that are coming through the club. You know, um, still keep a winning mentality. And I think where they were probably led down is is recruitment. I thought their foreign players were subpar. Uh, And that's being, um, you know, the new ones, I mean, because Clayton Silva was there before. It's probably their best foreigner this season. I think no doubt about that. Um, the two they signed in the back, they looked ropey in the AFC Cup against lesser yeah. opposition. And in the end, one of them had to be replaced. And so no surprise. Um, and then you look at what they let go. Would you have been better off with Juanan? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. You bring in an Asian player, um, Iman Basafa. I don't even, I can't even pass judgment on him because we hardly saw him play. Yeah. And I still don't know what position he plays. I mean, he, wore, he was a number 10 in terms of jersey number. He's he not? Exactly. I don't know. We never really saw enough of him. And would you have been better off with Eric Partler, an Asian player that was on your book? So, you know, you, so you didn't really, and in terms of numbers, you look at who played as a defensive midfielder, you, the numbers don't match it. I mean, in terms of like goals and assists that Eric would have provided over the years um, per season, they didn't have that. And I think not just that leadership, you've got two Brazilian players who don't speak a word of English Ooh. in Alan Costa and Ramirez. So, you lose a lot at the back 
you're playing with defenders who don't communicate. It makes the job of a Roshan or a, a, a Sartak or a Parago, whoever's playing, a lot more difficult. Um, in the midfield, again, it makes Suresh's job a lot more difficult than, than others. So I thought their foreign recruitment was possibly one of the worst in the league um, in, in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I remember Suresh telling how much Eric was helping him during yep. the games and stuff last year, uh, the season before, you know, when he broke yep. through. So it makes sense that, like you said, and also uh, I thought, like just touching on this point, of dropping yep. Sunil. That, like you said, it's a very, very ballsy call. Not many coaches would have taken that call. Uh, Marco had the you know courage yep. and conviction to do that. So he, I think there is a slight change in that uh, side of things also with the coaches this year. Maybe I'm over imagining it because you saw Mohan Nawaz being dropped, who was on brought on so much money. Nishu Kumar in the beginning was dropped because Jessel was the captain. So a lot of these coaches are not afraid to bench your main players, like you said, Valskis. Uh, you know, Jamshedpur and Owen Coyle just immediately sort of pushed him aside and said, we'll go somebody else who's not a proven goal scorer like Walsh is, is, you know, quote-unquote is. So, is there like a situation coming in where now the coaches are like a little more courageous to take these decisions? Probably Marco had the toughest one because of the yep. person that he was making that decision over because the legend that Sunil is. Uh, is there I think it could, could be that. I mean, the other thing is... You, it's interesting that the coaches you mentioned who did did all those things, mm-hmm. I'd, I'll, I'll hazard a guess none of them are on social media. You don't see anything of Marco. He's like, on social media. I don't know if he's no, anything. Yeah, but he's not. He's not. I mean, just, what I mean by they're not active on social media yeah, like some of the younger coaches. They're not on the fans group like some coaches I know are. Like they're on the fans <laughs> WhatsApp, what, WhatsApp group. So. In a non in a bubble situation, but there's no crowds. You're making that decision. If you've got your notifications off on Twitter and Instagram, yeah. right? There's 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 nothing. You you've made that decision. You're training with your players, and then you're out on the field. You're getting success. You may get, and I don't think they have owners who are necessarily watching and interfering, saying why isn't he playing or why is he not playing. So you're making your decision purely on footballing basis. It's not personal. Obviously, okay. it's purely on footballing basis. So you're based on saying, hey, listen, I'm at every day. I'm at training every single day. And I see these guys at breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. So I see stuff that nobody else sees. So I'm making my decision based on a hundred and thousand more facts than the average sort of tw- Twitter supporter. Hmm. So I don't need to listen to somebody who's not at training, not at breakfast, not at team meetings. Um, doesn't know what's going on inside our environment. So it's a common sense decision for a lot of these coaches. And it may not seem, as I said, what letting go of Alskis for Chukwu, for Twitter fans, it might seem crazy because they look at it all, because some people were criticizing Chukwu at East Bengal without even knowing the facts. You're playing for a poor team yeah. with very, very poor coach. And... He still was working so hard. So a lot of us who could see that live at the games are thinking, wow, this poor Chukwu, I mean, he's played at a decent level. He's not come from Molde in Norway and played at that level so many games if he's a bad player. He's obviously a very good player. He just, poor chap, was struggling over here where, you know, in a, in a horrible environment where the coaches were just, just downright down rude to him. Um, and it goes to an environment where he's happy. And you look at all it does is just change of environment and look how a player can just transform. And I think the same with uh, Sunil. I mean, Sunil was going through a rut, which all good players will go through at some point in their life. And you go through a slump. And, you know, the old cliche, 
you know, form his temporary class as permanent. He came back towards the end of the season, you know, he's firing in the goals. And so credit to Marco for that and credit to Sunil as well. I mean, it's not easy. Uh, it does, your egos as a top player, it does take a bruising. Um, but you're not bigger than the team. And I think, you know, everyone realized that at the end. Now, uh, let's move from transition team to a team that is always in transition, which is sort of, you know, a lot of youngsters with the Odisha FC. Again, a season, what do you think? Like last year, from last year, is it a better performance? You said you let go of your captain. You, you, you sort of, uh, I, I don't know what to say. Like it always felt to me that this is a team where youngsters will get a chance and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think they've got that sort of, um, you know, that they've got that reputation almost of the ones that youngsters can get a chance, which is a good thing because a lot of young footballers now want to join clubs like Odisha because they yeah. said, I don't, I'd rather go to Odisha than earn double at ATK Monbagan because I don't want to just warm the bench and ruin my career like a Sumitrati oh. has done or a Bidyananda, et cetera. So you're better off going there. Maybe you won't win, win the silverware. Maybe you won't win, you won't play in Asia, right? Immediately. But, it's better for your career development. And I think from a club perspective, look, they finished bottom with 12 points the previous season. They almost doubled it. They got 23. Um, from I think they finished seventh in the league from finishing bottom. Um, and two wins the previous season to six wins. So you've trebled your wins. So you've got to look at that as some form of success now. Again, we, everything is measured in top four. Yes, it's not successful in, in that respect. But I think you can't expect a team that finished dead last and was so poor last season. And they've been poor for a couple of seasons. It's not as if last season was, you know, um, a, you know, a strange, like, like an FC Goa one where it's like, okay, that was one bad season. No, it's the rot was there for a while. Um, you know, it's not like from Delhi, you had the excuse that we're transitioning from Delhi to Odisha. They didn't make the top four then. And, you know, they struggled to win many games. Um, the next season, they were slightly better. But again, not great. You would never say they were contenders. And then obviously in the back, they had the, possibly the worst season um, in any clubs. But some problems are still there. I mean, you're still defensively weak, still conceding 43 goals in a season, still... Um, susceptible from set pieces. So it's a process. I think they need to uh, fix things, but they're moving in the right direction. I mean, you'd be, you'd be happy that the way they started the season when they were, you know, at one point they were top of the table and um, I think they had nine points in the first four games. And if a couple of ifs, buts and maybes, and maybe when COVID hit them as well, they were a little bit unlucky, but they could have finished maybe, sixth or fifth and I think if, if they'd finished fifth or sixth you'd say that was a very good season for them yeah. um, again so that's you have to be you have to be pragmatic about certain things so step by step hopefully for them yeah. uh, and then <laughs> another team is Chennai who is a jackal and hide of ISL if you ask me because <laughs> yeah. either they are champions or they are uh, nowhere there but this this yeah. season it felt very strange because you recruit a player, recruit a coach, and you recruit the player that he wants. Everything is good. It looked like things were going well. You're playing a defensive style of football. Probably the toughest team to beat in the first few games in the first part of the league. Then just you, everything goes down the drain. Uh, you sack the coach. 
I, it doesn't make any sense when ISL teams are the coach in the mid-season, most of the time. Unless there is some problem behind the scenes that most people are not uh, aware of. Um, yeah, I think, look, if, if you've lost the dressing room and um, you've uh, players are not performing for you, I think it's that there are reasons why it might be worth um, letting go of the coach. Um, and uh, the other thing is that what surprised me with a lot of these clubs is, again, you look behind the scenes of management. You're going into a season where your key players, um, your Anirutapa, out of contract on May 2022. Vishal Kate, out of contract, mate. Um, Jerry Lalanzola. So all across their line, you know, goalkeeper, defense, midfield, and up front, you've got uh, Chante as well. Chante. So all across all four lines, you've got key personnel, the core Indian players, out of contract. So you're going into a season with instability because obviously those players are going to get offers. Obviously, as a club, if you're going to try and retain them, you're trying to break the bank. So you've got players and their agents doing contract negotiations while games are going on. So that's certainly destabilizing players. And you might be as players, especially when you're in a bubble, you're probably talking like maybe if you and me were a club, I'd be asking, are you staying Sandeep next season? Like, I don't know um, where you think of going. Well, I've got an offer from Goa and I've got an offer from ATK Monbegun. Like, yeah, I've got a couple of offers. Well, I'm not sure. If you stay, I'll stay. So there's that. Like, And then you start thinking, well, if this coach stays, would you stay? And you're thinking, mm, not really. So all that's going on. So I think it doesn't help the coach when you've got instability in that respect with the Indian players. It certainly doesn't help when an agent is bringing players and coaches into a club. Because I think five out of the six foreigners and the coach were from the same agency. Mm. So it's clear that it's not a management and a footballing decision that's bringing these people in, it's it's external factors. And that's never a good sign in a football club because you're just given too much control to to the wrong people. And a couple of clubs did that this season where an external agency or an agency was bringing in the coach and foreign players. And it proved Chennai was an example, Orisha is an example, it doesn't work. And even to an extent, Bengaluru, right? You look at the players that the coach brought in Right? Because a lot of these coaches are new to Indian football. It's different if Owen Coyle brings in Greg Stewart. He's been here for two years. He knows the league. He knows what works here. He knows what doesn't work here. Manolo Marquez knows what works, what players can live in a bubble, what players can understand Indian football, Indian footballers, and not get frustrated by some of the shortcomings. Whereas I think Chennai, when they're going, when it's going well, like at the start of the season and preseason when they're tough to beat, yeah, everything looks rosy. But the moment you hit a speed bump, then things went out the window. And I think he had a plan A in preseason. If your plan A was to play a back three, were the Indian personnel right for him? So that's where I mean there's a disconnect between what the coach wants to do and what the management have given him in terms of Indian players. Because the foreign players he brought, now if you're going to play a certain way, a defensive style of football, should you have had someone alongside Damjanovic? Because I thought Damjanovic was brilliant. A very good centre back, but there was no one else alongside him. You know, you're having to tr- convert Narayanas for left back into a centre 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 back in a three. You're having to then go and sign a Sajid Dot because you weren't comfortable with Salam Ranjan or Deepak Devrani, who's hardly played in the ISL. Being a thing, and then by doing so, you've unsettled Jerry, who again, like I said, is in contract talks. So there was too much um, 
instability. And it almost begs the question, would you have been better off sticking with Chaba Laszlo from last season, but mm. having more input in terms of the foreign player selection? Because Chaba, for all tactically, got a lot of things right. And players liked him and he was improving a lot of players. Players would stay play for him. Like Uriah Mali would sign an extension probably if Chaba Laszlo was there. Your Tapas would, etc. You just then needed to get the right personnel. Sometimes you can just find them within the league. You don't have to go outside um, and take a gamble. Um, because I think the Chennai foreigners were quite good hmm. in what terms of it, I think. Yeah, Mosai was one of the better Asians. I thought uh, Coleman and um, the, the other midfielder were very solid. And Damianovic was a good player. Um, I just thought, Indian players-wise, huge letdown. So whoever's done their Indian player recruitment, um, the new players coming in, I don't think any of the new Indian players came in, made them any stronger. Matter of fact, possibly you could say made them weaker. Mm. So they that that's what they, their Indian player recruitment needs a lot of looking into. And Again, there's, there seems a disconnect between the Indian player recruitment, coach recruitment, foreign player recruitment. There's, it's almost as if it's five, four different entities doing different things at the club. So, okay. Hopefully, they can also bounce back. Uh, yeah. The last two are Northeast United and uh, East Bengal. Northeast United from the high of last season has come down. Lots of problems, like again, on the, in, the, in the club, you heard uh, you know, statements and comments and things you hear around the grapevine. And again, I, I don't understand why they should go of Kamara also. It just seemed uh, weird. And especially when you would, see... Sorry? Yeah, I think for them, it was if he's going for the African Cup of Nations, it was might as well cut your losses in terms of money and try and bring somebody else in at that, site, at that time, which you can do before the uh, January transfer window. So that's probably the logic behind that. But there were just too many decisions which you can question. I mean, we'll um, I'll have to go get my... Uh, charger and recharge my laptop now because that's, I mean, that's how long it'll go on um, <laughs> in terms of um, identifying so many things that they started the season wrong with. Um, and again, it's it's almost like the success of last season is probably one of the reasons why they had that. So you, you start thinking everything's perfect. So. Mm. At least VP Suhair is one good. Yeah. Because of the success they had last season, they probably thought, you know, we've ticked a lot of the boxes last year. We don't need to do too much where, where, you know, we've got the ingredients for the right thing. I mean, credit to them for um, retaining um, College Meal. I think that was a good one because otherwise fingers would have been pointed um, at them. And, but I think in terms of what they lost, you lost Apoya, you lost um, Ningtoy, I think, and you, you lost maybe some of the Indian players they could have strengthened because again, they didn't have strength in depth. They had some good young Indian players coming through um, but not enough to challenge everyone to keep them on their toes. And I think the foreign players, again, it, it, it's tricky. I mean, I thought Hernan was a very, very good signing. Um, but maybe they just needed a, a few more in terms of that, that respect. Um, and that's, that's probably where they went wrong in, in, in that respect. Yeah. Hopefully, like, this is another team... Hopefully, they can sort of uh, yep. continue or try and improve next year. East Bengal, I've really got nothing to say about them because it just seems like... Because when you start your recruitment a month before the league or whatever, when, once everybody's already done recruiting and things, it's never going to be easy for them. So, I had no hopes for them in the beginning. And 
I was just happy to see Renedi there as a coach for a couple of uh, games. It's good to see him get that run. That's the only thing really. Yeah, I think the no one had any expectations on them this season almost a less expectation on them this season than last season because again they left it till very very late and again it's another one that you look at it's it's just a common theme now you can see there's a one agent getting all the players in yeah towards the end of the season so it's it, it's almost like if you want to know what's the recipe for failure it's there you're putting all your eggs in one basket and that's what's going to happen. And it happened exactly to them as we'd expect. But as with anything, there's always bright sparks. But, you know, with Northeast, you can look at VP Suher, um, you know, a couple of bright sparks were there, Joe Zohair, Liana. There's, there's definitely bright sparks. Similarly with North, with uh, SES Bengal, you've got Atonamte coming through was was a bright spark. Hira Mondal was a bright spark. And, and obviously, I think Renity, because he studied the ship. I mean, from what I've heard from people behind the scenes, how bad the coaches were before in terms of players getting up at 5 a.m. and doing their COVID test and then going and training at 6 because it was cooler. It's almost like an academy atmosphere because you've got a guy who's never really coached a first team and he's more of an academy coach, not letting players listen to music while they're eating and the accommodation situation. It was just... Everything that you know could go wrong did go wrong for them at the start of the season. So you can't blame the players. I mean, they try and give everything. Um, and you could see that the moment Renity came in, all of a sudden the players were now playing for one another, playing for the coach. And a lot of games he played without foreign players. Yeah. So and and he still got, you know, respectable nil-nils last minute. He lost um against Jumpshitpo. So you could show that players were playing for him. Um players will play for Indian coaches. Um, you saw that, I think, even with Anshul at um, Odisha, the two games that he was in charge. Um, you know, didn't lose either of those two games. So this, whilst people might look at what happened with uh, Khalid and say, oh, you know, this is why you should, you know, Indian players can't do it. Sorry, Indian coaches. I thought some of the other, the two young Indian coaches who got their opportunities showed that, you know, it isn't all doom and gloom for Indian coaches. You can, they can get players to respond to them. They can get foreign players um playing for them as well. And that's probably one of the bright sparks. And I hope, um, and I think even bigger respect for Renity now because he refused to stay when they brought in um, new, the new coach, who again, it, it was a former video analyst. Um, and you try and promote, you know, a, a random video analyst who's got no coaching experience in India, no coaching experience anywhere in the world, for that matter, with the first team. And you make him the head coach. And Renity just said, all right, I'm not, that's the direction the club wants to go, albeit then, and then he stepped aside and he was not just going to stay there as the token um, assistant. So even more respect for that, for, you know, having st- stood his ground. And and I think at, in the end, you look at the way the team played. I, I think they definitely played better under Renardi. And if he had availability of all foreign players and was allowed in the January window to possibly go and sign two or three foreign players that he would have wanted to, then I'm sure they would have had a stronger finish to to the end of the season. So hopefully they sort out all that with the investors because look, next year we're going to be home and away, not in a bubble. You want to be going to games at Salt Lake with an intimidating East Bengal team like it always used to be. Um, so if you, even if you're one of the opposition coaches, you're, you're a coach at an FC Go or something and you know one of the teams that you're in a title run in with has to away game or you know has to go and play an away game at SE East Bengal, you know that 
irrespective of their relative strength over the last couple of years of the team, that's going to be a tough fixture because of the crowd and because hopefully they'll build a stronger team. So all those rumors of new investors and everything, let's hope it comes to fruition and they can put out a strong team. Absolutely. Now, just uh, some tidbits here and there. Now you said going back to home and away, how much did you guys miss the fans? I mean, I'm asking you because you were at the games. Most of us were not. Um, it's weird. I mean, like you go there and, um, you know, you're adjusting your volume levels as a commentator sometimes and you're, you're trying to like turn the crowd noise down because it's, it's, it's piped in noise and, you know, you want to be able to listen to like at certain stadiums like Bumble and we're right behind the benches. You want to hear the benches because you actually get a little bit of info. Um, at Fatoda, we're so far away. Um, fortunately, we just got a lot of goals at um, Fatoda, but you've got a, You've gone from being somebody who's trying to comment and provide your expert analysis of what's going on at the ground to becoming an actor because you've suddenly got to create an atmosphere that a goal has been scored, like Liston's goal. Yeah, Mm. wonderful goal. Got us off our seats, but can you imagine what that would have been like if there were fans? And, you know, the replay gets shown on a big screen. So those... Those are the factors. And, and similarly, when there's play acting going on, which is one of my pet peeves when people are like yeah. diving or the whole holding your hamstring to try and kill time, mm. you know, that's what you want. You want fans in the stadium booing at someone to mm. stop that happening um, and all that kind of stuff. And and I think it definitely looking forward to that because I think it's been two years. It's been too long. Um, I tell other countries got back to it a lot quicker. Um other sports in this country have gone back to it a lot quicker. And even some of the local leagues here have had fans. So I think it would be good to see it um, next year. And not not just from the fans, well, I think even from football point of view, to be playing and having that home advantage, even if it's not necessarily sellout stadiums, but just the travel, going there, training, dealing with how we're going to play. Maybe we play more defensively away, we try and win our home games or whatever. Seeing that tactical changes from coaches at home and away, um, climatic conditions play a different, you know, how it is in India. Um, yeah. Playing certain times of the year in certain parts of the country is completely different. Um, you know, so all all those aspects. And yeah, I think this, there's a certain charm of being in, in Kochi, um, mm. getting to that stadium when the fans are there before, because they travel from so far across yeah. the state that they're there before kickoff. Um, whereas Chennai, the first half, half empty stadium, second half, much more crowded, mm. right? You get different types, different things at different stadiums. Um, you know, BFC, I can actually hear the crowd from my house when a goal yeah. scores. And so if I'm not, the, unu- the, the, the rare occasions when I'm not at a game, I can actually hear it. So there's all different things. And, and even Jumpshed, but they've always packed their stadium. And I think it'll be tremendous next year now that they're defending champions, that the atmosphere they'll create. And curious to see how Hyderabad reacts now, now that they've got a, because they always say, right, if you win and you're successful, that'll help bring the crowds in. So curious to see whether that, you know, theory holds. So yeah, and how what was it like uh, with the COVID breaks and all for you? I mean, obviously not so bad for you, but just the clubs and it just I just sort of I, just at that point to be completely honest. I was I was very very fortunate that I took a break at the time just mm. before the cases started, so I didn't actually get in. Had to go through all the quarantine and stuff, but I heard from teams it was it was terrible because. They were going by the, let's take the safest option, which is put everybody in. If you're a close contact, you are to be put in quarantine. There was, obviously, if it's a physio, physios are close contact with everyone. So 
both physios are out, doctors out. So you had some teams where the medical team personnel weren't available for matches. So there's a lot of things which you know you couldn't you couldn't plan for. There's no there's whatever planning you have and best planning gets thrown out the window. And and towards the end, you just had to just accept that it is what it is. You have to live with it and and play to a certain extent with the players that you have available. So I think credit to all the coaches and everyone who's with clubs because first year everyone went through it because you felt like the game must go on. We, these are the sacrifices we have to make. And the second year was especially tough on people who'd been one done it already for one season. Mm-hmm. Tougher for I think the likes of Bangalore FC, um FC Goa because they'd done it last season, done it for the AFC competitions. Then I had to go back and do it again this year. So there is a certain amount of mental fatigue that kicked in with a lot of those um, uh, staff as well as players. And it's not easy. It's not easy being cooped up in your room away from your families and, and all that, especially when you're hearing outside maybe things are happening, mm. um, positive or negative, with your families away from home. So I think that was um, very tough. And I think most players, especially the foreign players, wouldn't come back next year if it was a bubble environment. So yeah. I'm glad. I'm hopefully no more, no more bubbles and we'll get back to um, just home and away. So. Yeah. It, it was, uh, I spoke to someone who was in a bubble for a long time. Uh, and uh, when they came out, they came out to a different world, right? Where the world, everything is yeah. open. People are just walking around. And they're having this little bit of pangs of anxiety that this is the most amount of people they've seen. A lot of them are not wearing masks or, they're all standing too close to each other. There's no protocols per se. So yeah. they're having some time to adjust as well. So, Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, you, the cliche thing, I mean, you, you, like in the movie Shawshank Redemption, he says when, when you come out of prison, yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost like, um, you know, you don't know how to live in the outside world. Being in a bio bubble with football teams and, and the environment, it's like being in a very posh prison for five months. So, yeah. so in terms of uh, stories that you saw this year, like about players or teams, story acts, narratives. Is there anything that stands out for you that is your favorite? I thought, yeah, the, you know, the way, you know, you're not privy to obviously every single thing that happened, but you, there, was, there was like, you know, you catch bits on social media here and there. There was one, um, the, the stuff that stands out, the, the way the team built, you know, the team bonding was with um, teams like Kerala Blasters, what, you know, I think Ivan said it to someone, he goes, I'm, I'm focusing maybe 30% on tactical, technical work. Mm. The other side is more on the social, psychological side of it. You see Hyderabad um, FC where they're having a barbecue and you've got like, obviously, any barbecue, you Brazilian players and your South American players are going to be at the, at the front of it. You've got Zhao grilling some meat and players around that. And, you know, Jamshedpur, you know the way Owen Coyle is, he's joining in with training and having a laugh. They've got their, you know, pet dogs at the training ground would become part of their club family. All those little things, I think, it, the teams who did that and understood the human side of it, which again connects back to what we were saying about being in a bio were successful this season. And I hope that continues next year. Just because you're not in a bu- bubble, it doesn't mean that that side of it isn't important. It's still, you know, coaches who are coming into this country need to understand the culture of whether which whichever part of the city you're in understand the culture of where your players are coming from because not all your players are from that particular city or region that you're from and the more they can you, i could say 
you know, absorb that culture and, and take it in and integrate themselves. Like, uh, the foreign players who do that, in, integrate themselves with the Indian players. I think that's going to bode well in the long run for both Indian players, Indian football and stuff. And it's good to see him. And I spoke to one of the players uh, recently and I said, what are you doing? You're heading back home. So, and he goes, no, no, my family's coming over to India. We're going to have a little holiday over here, go around, see some bits. And it's no surprise that he's one of the most successful players who's ever played over here. So I think that it's great to see those kind of stories. And it shouldn't be just for social media. It should be just for overall uh, development of the game and and the clubs and the culture. Because I think now that you have access to the fans next season, doing all those kind of things will help grow the sport in the country. Because if you start doing, you know, we did it at Bangalore FC, whether it was going bowling, paintballing, et cetera, we did stuff with the fans at uh, Arbor, uh, you know, at the bar. And you look at it, that's a bond that you create with fans that stays with you for a long time. And what Kerala have done with their fan culture, even if it's a tenth of that can be recreated by the other 10 clubs, that's great for Indian football. So I think that would be the what you'd want as your sort of wish list for next season and beyond. For me, like on a personal level, I thought the redemption of Katimani was a fantastic story arc. Just to see that guy... I had written an article about goalkeepers because they were getting a lot of flags. At that time, yeah. I'd spoken to him and it really affected him what happened in 2015 with Goa and it took him so long to rebuild. And I think he was the best goalkeeper this year. And yeah, uh, he's never going to get a national team call-up. I think his age is at that level where that's not going to happen. And he made a mistake here in the final again and people were on social media saying, oh, he's done it again. For him to save four penalties... I don't yep. think that the penalty had to be retaken also. It was very close. But whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I don't think that penalty needed to be retaken. And, um, and I, you know, for me, I don't think national team call-up is the right thing for him either. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't criticize too much for not picking him because you've got to start thinking, Absolutely. I've got yeah, two good, I've got a good number one and a number two. He's probably not going to get better than them. And I've got two youngsters, so why hamper their progress? Um, I think the guys like Gil probably need that opportunity. And the only thing, I mean, you could you could make it like a token gesture saying, call him into the camp as one of the four. And then when you make your final three, let him go and say, thanks, but I've got to look for the future, blah, blah, blah. And just give him that reward and recognition for it. But, um, you know, I think it's it's a great story just to show that amongst all the sort of Hyderabad young players developing, Manolo's developed young players. He's not just done that, he's resurrected someone's career as well. Um, and again, it goes back to what I said about simplifying the game. Kati got criticized a lot at uh, FC Goa because he was put into a situation where you're trying to get him to play out from the back and then when he makes some mispasses, people criticize. That's not his forte, playing out from the back. His forte is a shot stopper. And, you know, his old days of being a volleyball player and playing in those, you know, go out penalty shootouts you could see all those skill sets come to the fore i mean that save in the semi-final with one hand just tipping it over was you know world class and the reactions and the strong arm and everything and and then the penalty and the thing so it's great that you end with those images rather than it would be gutting to sort of say you know that our kp winner with a goalkeeping error and that's how the season ended it would have been in a way it would have been a fitting because it's been a season of goalkeeping errors but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's nice to end it on a on a high with the goalkeeping positives in a way. So. Absolutely. So that would be my one. Maybe Kabra also to an extent because I think he has sort of uh, resurrected for a long time in BFC. Uh, I thought he was not the Kabra of old. 
like that Khabra who used to be the used to get the fouls and things, but that part was there. Yeah. But he was not that vocal, shouting, strong guy. He may have been, but it didn't come across like that. So when we took Kerala, it was we knew that he was the guy. Yes, yeah, so I think sometimes some players have to get out of the shadow of certain other bigger personalities of the club, and you're never going to be the biggest personality at uh, BFC. There's always going to be more attention on certain foreigners and certain in, uh, Indian players, and certain players who've been there for many years. So it's great for him to go to a club and this be the sort of, you know, the alpha um, personality there. And I think people, everyone rallied around him. And I think if you look at every, look at the successful clubs this season, they all had that kind of one personality, whether it's Peter Hartley um, at Jamshedpur. You know, you you look and you think leader, you think Peter Hartley immediately. And you, any in the games are tough. The guy's playing with injections and throwing pain to make sure they went on that unbeaten run and got the title. Um, you look at like Cabra over there, you, the influence when he came back um, after missing a couple of games. You look at you know the successful teams; they had that um, personality. You know that that uh, that main um, guy, whether it's Zhao Bart, um, you know at uh, Hyderabad, and maybe was that something that was missing at ATK Mohan You didn't have that one person that everyone rallies around that one leader maybe you have too many leaders there um and i think that's uh, it's a good sort of little learning learning tool for other clubs to look to rebuild on next season as well absolutely personality is very very important yeah don't just look at the numbers when you're recruiting look at the personality so. yeah absolutely so this is i we generally go by team of the season but i this time i thought let's do a fire side okay <laughs> who would your fire side be all right. Um, we do with five strikers also, right? It's fine. It's okay, five. no, 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 no. I'll, 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 no, no. I'll balance it out. I'll go. I'll, I'll pick a goalkeeper. I'll, uh, um, I'll pick Kati Money because um, you know, five aside, you you face so many shots. You don't really need to play out the back. You need shot stoppers. So yeah. I go with Kati in goal. Um, I'll go with. Uh, you got to go with the defender. I think defensively, I thought. I've got a tough choice between obviously Leskovic, Damjanovic, and um, Hartley. But for me, he's in my team of the season for eleven aside. Mm. So I'll pick him again for five aside, Damjanovic, because I thought one v one defending, probably the best um, defender in the league, one versus one. Um, midfield, I'll um, let me go. So five, I'll go two and two, two and one. Then um, you want to make it seven aside. No, no, it's okay. Um, I think Greg Stewart's got to be in there. Um, yeah. Just, just, just brilliant um, from him in in that respect. Um, and obviously, I've picked two foreigners, one Indian. I'll go with another Indian. I think um, Liston's got to be in there. Um, coming in from one side, if you got Stewart from one side, Liston from the other. I thought he's one of the players that I would pay to watch. He's exciting to watch. Uh, I think his career development. Um, right? For a young yeah. man to take those shots. Take free kicks. He steps yeah. up and amongst that team with all those personalities, like, no, I'm taking the free kicks. And he delivers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think I've left out Hartley and gone with this. So I need a captain. I need a leader. So I'm going to go with Bart with Betcha up front because I think I've got him in the side. I'm winning silverware. So that's my, my five-a-side team. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty strong team right there. So I think that's about all that we have here. Hopefully next year, I don't know. We'll see hope how the things go next year. Uh, maybe start a little earlier with the cup competitions and stuff. 
and then get on to the league and i don't know i am uh, yeah. it's too early for me to say anything i guess no i'm hopeful that there'll be something in september some kind of a tournament um more teams will probably take part in durand if they have it let's just fingers crossed no more fourth wave or no more disruptions to turn the football and we get back to you know everything local leagues being back on uh, i league being home and away um, second division being home and away and not just these mini tournament formats um cuz look at that as i said that that's what we miss being able to go down to the stadium and just watch live football um, yeah. and that's the best part about it so i snuck in one time uh, <laughs> i met you just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was good. I mean, I loved it. I watched, I think I saw, was there almost every single second division game this season. Yeah. Been following the I-League now on um, on Facebook Live. There's yeah. been some good matches. And actually, that's what I'm glad about as ISL's finished now. There's the I-League. That break actually has helped in a way because now we've got football for the next uh, month and a half. And then when yeah. that finishes, we've got AFC Cup. And then when AFC Cup finishes, we've got um, the national team games in June. So we've got football until July. So pretty happy with that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Because otherwise, we'll have no content. Like this year, as it, we had a <laughs> tough time to sort of balance it because last year was easier because all of us were working yeah. from home. Uh, this year, we're back to work. So to find the time to do these things and you have only one day off. So all your things that you had to do for the week, you have to do on that one day. So right. uh, yeah. yeah, it was a little difficult. I did a podcast with Deshaun Brown, which I don't know if I can put out because it's... got such terrible connection and connectivity issues like you don't hear half of the things that he's saying it's really unfortunate i think it was a good show as, as far as i can i'm sure it was i i'd love to listen to that oh, maybe off air <laughs> definitely so uh, yeah that's it. i think that's all for uh, thanks a lot for your time you freely yeah, you was... it all the time as well. <laughs> and we'll take it So uh, pleasure. All right. I get thanks. I get to see you soon one of these days. Yeah. Definitely. We'll catch up in a in a week's time in in Bangalore and then uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll have a little offline chat about the I League and all the drama and all the drama there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cool. Cool. All right. Mate. See you later.